The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa de Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Congratulations, you have made it to Friday. And like every Friday since April 2016, we have dropped an episode of Pa to Chat Talking Dance. So, thanks for tuning in to chat with me about dance. It's been an interesting week full of winter weather and St. Patty's Day, but neither blizzards nor leprechauns can keep us from dancing. Just a few reminders for all of you. I am teaching advanced beginner ballet classes at Broadway Dance Center through at least April every Friday at 6 p.m., I'll also be adding one beginner class this coming Sunday, March 19th at 9 a.m. Whew, that's early. <laughs> I'll also be teaching an advanced intermediate ballet class at Steps on Broadway next Friday, the 24th of March, and that will be at 2.30 p.m. So come on over to get some classical foundation and some balancing movement. I hope to see you there. Alrighty, now on to this week's topic. My husband and I have been having major issues with Comcast over the past nearly two years. Yeah, their service is deplorable. <laughs> I've been using that word every chance that I can get, so you're gonna have to use you're gonna have to like that deplorable word. Uh, but anyway, we are working to change that, but amidst the drama of having regular internet issues, we recognize that something had happened with our cable box too. We had to re-input all of the shows that we usually record on a regular basis uh, on our DVR because for some reason they stopped recording. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with the internet or if it's cable, but anyway, it wasn't recording them. So one show shockingly got left off the list, or if you live in my household, not so shockingly considering how much my husband despises the show. Um, but that show was Dance Moms on Lifetime. I only realized this after it appeared that the season had ended, so I binge-watched about four episodes of Dance Moms yesterday as I tried to catch up on what I missed this season. <laughs> my husband despises the show as all he can ever hear, or at least he tells me years, is Abby and the parents squawking nonstop. He especially hates Abby's raspy voice when she yells so much that when she tries to talk, she can't talk because she's lost her voice. <laughs> but for me, watching this show, I compare it to my mom watching her soap operas when I was a kid. The stories are somewhat compelling, somewhat contrived, strike a nerve with many due to the crassness of the content, but fill a sweet tooth for juicy dance-related content. <clears throat> I have existed in the dance world long enough to know when something dance-related on TV is real, fake, or really drawing the line between reality that is being skewed by the producers. 
Dance Moms really sits right in the middle here. <laughs> the kids are legitimately talented, like very, very talented. And while the parents are forced to be around each other and are likely baited by the producers to talk on certain topics, the assumptions, conversations, and behaviors of the dance parents are not too far off kilter from what I've seen in my lifetime as a dancer. True dance parents can be maddening, especially from an instructor and a studio owner perspective. So, I figured I would offer a little lesson on being a supportive dance parent while understanding how to keep your emotions in check and when you should actually step in and open your mouth about or for your child. The first place to start would seem to be to ask yourself if you are a dance mom or a dance dad in the derogatory sense of the term, not just somebody who happens to have a child in dance. For most parents listening into this podcast, the answer to this question is a flat-out yes. <laughs> Sorry. I know many parents that often proclaim that they aren't one of those overbearing dance parents. But the honest truth here is, if you are telling me this fact, then it probably is an alternative fact. <laughs> All parents of kids in dance programs have the potential to become the character of a dance mom or dad. But just like that glorious childhood book, Everybody Poops, if you have a kid in dance, at some point you are going to become the reality of the connotation that dance mom or dance dad is. So... If you aren't aware of the implication by noting a parent as a dance mom or dad, perhaps I should give you a little insight about their behaviors. Uh, dance mom or dad doesn't always have to be in attendance at the studio. A lot of people think that a dance mom is somebody that's always there waiting to see how their kid's doing, uh, always getting involved in the studio politics and drama. That's not always true. Uh, but dance parents are very, if not overly proud of their little dancers. Uh, which you will be sure to hear at least once every time you see them. <laughs> Suffering from the blindness of being a dance parent often leads them to share an altered perspective of where their kid belongs in a training program, who they should be sharing roles with, and so much more. Perhaps Susie is 13 and just started point, but our dance mommy example wants Susie to be moved ahead into the next class because she thinks that Susie is better than everybody in her class, and also... Uh, better than her daughter's biggest competition in comparison, Lauren, who is a year ahead of Susie on point. But what Dance Mommy doesn't understand is that a student shouldn't go straight from wearing point shoes to doing pirouettes in center. Perhaps Dance Mommy has done a little research on dance training, but she now thinks she is an expert on placing her child in her clouded perception of her daughter's level of expertise. This happened to me while I was running one of my programs in Alaska. While directing Alaska Dance Theater, uh, which was before I ran my programs, I was responsible for auditioning the intermediate and advanced students for the organization's performance company. And I had placed a student in the junior performance company of the school when she had been placed in that level the previous year. <clears throat> a lot of times the assumption is uh, that their kids should naturally progress from year to year just because the parent paid for tuition and showed up to class in rehearsal. Um, but the reality was that she wasn't technically strong enough to perform with the senior group of dancers. Nearly a year after the selection process had happened and the student had been moved into the senior group with the new administration up there, uh, the mom asked me why I hadn't put her daughter in the senior group. 
And after explaining in very clear terms to her that her daughter was not ready at the time, the conversation continued, and she still disagreed with my assessment and actually tried to convince me to lie to her and say that I had held her back for some personal reason. Um, it, it went back and forth, and she kept on saying, come on, yeah, I mean, come on, just say it, <laughs> thinking that she could woo the answer out of me. Uh, it was interesting because they had sought me out for education outside of this organization and had no personal experience in dance. Uh, and they still couldn't trust my trained professional judgment beyond their clouded perception of their child's greatness. Um, so that was a really interesting experience for me on the administrative end. Another common place that you can find dance moms and dads sticking their lovely little noses <laughs> in is the politics and reasoning behind decisions in a, a studio or a school. For instance, Sally got cast as Clara, but half of the parents think the role should have gone to Jenny. But little do the parents know that Jenny has grown too tall for the costume, and the company couldn't afford to buy a new costume and didn't have enough fabric to alter it. <laughs> or maybe Johnny should have done the role of Snow King because he's the best guy in the studio, but little do they know that the director feels that Jimmy needs the opportunity to improve his partnering skills, uh, and Johnny has already had a chance to build them, so he gave the role to Jimmy instead. <laughs> Commonly, parents start to look around at the kids that are getting more attention than others, whether receiving more corrections in class, being moved up in their level outside of the initial grouping, the whole group of the, you know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say here is when a kid starts, they usually start in a group, and most people think that they'll all move up in the same group, but uh, maybe one kid gets moved up a little bit faster, uh, perhaps getting favorable casting, or even the teacher smiling or laughing when working with a, a specific student a little more than they do with other students. Parents love to determine who the favorites are. It's like the biggest, best pastime of being a dance parent. <laughs> Once the favorites are determined by the dance moms and dads, it is common for them to complain about favoritism, call out sabotage of one dancer over another, or to feel anger that their kid isn't receiving the same attention that somebody else is. The major problem here is that this favoritism thing is unavoidable, but also often not completely true. Just like we choose our friends in life, you get along with some students more naturally than others. But I'm, I'm speaking personally here. I don't care if I like your personality more or less, or if I think you're a better dancer than everybody else in the room. When I step into the studio, my sole care in the world is to try to give you the tools to become successful in a dance career. I'd much rather have 30 students enjoying professional careers than just having my favorite student having the only career uh, from the alumni that come from uh, the places that I'm working. I wish all of you could watch me in the studio. The second the music starts, my mind is racing with information to share with every student to push them closer to living their dreams as a professional dancer. Yes, some days I don't give as each student as much attention as, as others, but if you look at my classes throughout an entire year, uh, eventually it spreads out. And I, I feel that most instructors do this as well and, and feel the same way. What is the point of one successful student when you could have many? And sometimes the choices made by instructors reflect their intentions to push dancers along their own unique, very personalized path. The best advice I can offer a parent with a kid in dance is to trust the process of your kid's training. 
just like the way kids grow tall. Some are early bloomers and others are late bloomers, but everybody will eventually hit their maximum height, even if it's not all at the same time. Every kid has different colored eyes and hair, different strengths and weaknesses, and different body types. This means that each kid's individual path will be just as varied. If something feels a little off, or if you feel that your child is being left behind or needs some extra care, which, reminder, can't be every single day, all day long. <laughs> but if you feel that they are being left behind or need some extra care, don't be afraid to speak up. But the moment you start making demands about your kid's training, you reveal your dance mom or dad's self. <laughs> So make sure that you really need it and mean it when you actually do uh, speak up about, about something that's concerning you. Unless you have had a professional career, it may be difficult for you to understand all of this. Uh, and it also might make it more difficult to understand uh, the reasoning behind certain decisions. So digest that sentence and accept that you may not understand. <laughs> the second that you stop trusting the teacher and the training, you, there's really one of two things that happen. You are doing the teacher a great disservice and disrespecting their experience and work uh, with your child, or you need to change schools. Um, a simple and honest fact. I don't say that in a negative way. It's just if you can't trust uh, the teacher's process, um, why are you still at your school? You should definitely be changing your schools or have a long conversation wait it out, and if it still hasn't changed, change your school. Um, I mean, it, people do it all the time. Again, don't be afraid to ask questions to help better your understanding. But once you have your answer, you need to trust that teacher has your kid and their potential career's best interests at heart. Um, and if you can't trust that, you need to move elsewhere. Um, and if you find that you're doing that on a regular basis of different places, you really got to take a deep look into, into yourself um, and, and think, think if you're being realistic about your child's training. It is rare for dance parents to go all out crazy and scream at one another in an attempt to push their kid on the fast track to be the next Maddie Ziegler, Tyler Peck, uh, David Hallberg, or Alex Wong, though I have seen it happen. If you find yourself displaying some of the above behaviors or thought patterns, just remind yourself that it is natural to react this way. You want your kids to succeed, you want to protect your kids, uh, and, and you want them to have all of the opportunity available to do that. But even while you are paying for tuition, dance doesn't owe you or your kid anything. If you haven't had a chance, go back two weeks and listen to our Ultimate Sacrifice episode uh, here on Pod Chat, Talking Dance, or head on over to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, uh, to read that same content. It may be difficult to understand unless you check that out, but dance doesn't owe anybody anything for partaking in it as an activity or a career. And when you as a parent can digest that, things will make a lot more sense and you will be a lot less reactive to the roller coaster of dance training. And boy, let me tell you, it is a crazy roller coaster. I mean, I'm out of my performance career, I'm teaching and I'm choreographing and it's still a roller coaster for me. So it just gets more intense <laughs> as you as you progress through the career. So in the meantime, don't let this deter you from putting your kid in training for a potential career in dance. I know I speak passionately, <laughs> but I don't want to deter anybody. Just keep a practical head on your shoulders. There's nothing else like our amazing career, and I would never want anybody to feel like they shouldn't get a chance at trying to have one. 
I hope that this week's episode offered you some valuable insight into a dirty part of our dance world. And if you love the drama that comes along with the dance parent, check out some episodes of Dance Moms for some good dance soap opera action. I should have them sponsor me. <laughs> Getting a nice plug here. But yeah, uh, I, I really enjoy the show. Um, I, I think that it's... Like, it's completely like a soap opera. I don't take it way too seriously. Um, and I like seeing quality dance on TV, even if the quote the yelling is not quality. <laughs> so, I think that covers all the bases for this week. Uh, so, it looks like I'm going to call this episode to a close. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page, at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. You can find those on PremierDanceNetwork.com. That's P-R-E-M-I-E-R DanceNetwork.com. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollis featuring my choreography and Choreography, that's Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.